Shalom! Welcome to the Christchurch Jerusalem Bible Study, where we wrestle with God's Word. For more information on the church, to listen to sermons, to contact us, or to make a gift, visit ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Welcome to Christchurch Jerusalem for our evening Bible study um, as we are studying with the, the epistle to the Galatians, still in chapter one, <laughs> uh, but it's a, it's a good journey. So we acknowledge the Lord's presence. Uh, we pray you guys are all safe and well wherever you are listening. And uh, Teresa, if you'd like to pray us in to our study. Father, we thank you for this time together, and I thank you that Aaron is with us. And I thank you for the protection that you've given him so far. And I ask now that during this whole session and tonight, you would continue keeping your hand of protection over him. Please cover them all with the blood of Yeshua, Father. Mm -hmm. And uh, would you cause that Iron Dome to work work 100% effectively and send the missiles back, Lord. And we bless you and we lift up the whole situation and we just ask for your shalom, Lord. We ask for neighbour to love neighbour in the end, Lord, in the name of Yeshua. And tonight, Lord, I ask that you would inspire us by your spirit, that you would help us to remain focused, whatever is happening outside, and that you would lead us into the riches of what you want to teach us tonight. And we bless you in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so reading our um, summary from last week's discussion on our opening two verses, uh, our summary is as follows, Galatians 1 verses 1 and 2. The opening five verses of the epistle, now I know we only studied two, but the opening five verses of the epistle of Galatians are Paul's salutation and his greetings to the readers and hearers of the letter. Epistles are not documents of mass production. Even when in encyclical form, documents that are encyclicals are meant to be copied and passed around to several communities. Though most readers of the encyclical likely heard the document read in public and did not read it themselves. So the document is an encyclical. It is given to a community. The community gathers and it is to be read. It is then copied and sent on to other communities. So we hear Bible less than we read it in, in that day. Paul identifies himself as an apostle, literally one who is sent. Now, the concept of agency, that is being sent on behalf of another, is well established in Jewish tradition. The Hebrew word is shaliach, and it is even used in a modern day, in modern day Hebrew to describe anyone being sent on behalf of another. The pizza delivery man is known as the shaliach, and it's always comforting to know that a beloved apostle of Domino's Pizza will arrive at your door with a hot pizza in five minutes. Now, we then had a discussion centered around the question, what is the difference between the apostleship of the apostles, Paul the apostle, and present-day office of the apostle? Most people understand that modern-day apostles are not quite the same as the 14 apostles, that is, 12 disciples plus Matthias plus Paul. When seeking to replace Judas the betrayer, the criteria in Acts was that the replacement had been a companion of the disciples and was with Jesus since the baptism of John until the ascension. Matthias then becomes quite unique in the sense that he was not chosen directly by Jesus and he was appointed before the Holy Spirit fell at Pentecost. So everybody else 
before and, and after has got a slightly different way of becoming an apostle. And perhaps that was the reason why they cast lots. This is not how we choose our shepherds anymore. Uh, now we prefer them to have attended Bible colleges. Although I was reminded uh, midweek that actually there are some uh, churches, denominations that still cast lots for their shepherds. In acknowledgement that Paul in Ephesians describes the office of apostle amongst other offices, such as teachers, prophets, which is interesting, prophets exist, evangelists and shepherds. Thus, we confirm the existence of apostleship outside the initial 14 apostles. The Didache likewise confirms the presence of apostles within the early church with descriptions on how to recognize a false one and how to treat and reward a real one. Present-day apostles also differ somewhat in their authority over the church. That is, we do not accept their authority to produce new scripture. We recognize there is a tension in this way concerning the present apostolic movement in segments of the church today. So how do we relate to the authority of these new self-professing apostles? While we didn't have a particular answer per se, we did note our responsibility to look at the fruit of the Spirit and their works in valuing their apostleship. Perhaps the early community was unsure of the apostleship of Paul to be, in essence, genuine. So Paul describes his apostleship through a Hebraic formula, which is called derech hashlila, that is, to express something through a negative. Paul is an apostle, but his calling and sending is not from man, but it is through Jesus and God the Father. The resurrection, a keystone of the good news of the Messiah, is mentioned as part of his call. We and Paul serve a risen Lord. We noted that the Holy Spirit was absent in the description of Paul's calling. Paul is also not alone. He is with the brothers who also send their greetings. Paul does not operate alone and neither should we. So there's a little description on our two uh, verse thing from last week. And I have to say, oddly enough, all during the week, this topic came up. It didn't, I don't know how it just seemed to happen. I might have been sitting with volunteers, I might have been talking with other leaders, and somebody was mentioning apostleship and what should we do? And I was like, really? Kind of discussed this last week. What do you guys think of this verse, Paul the Apostle? And, uh, and then, and then we, we talked about it. So I thought, okay, Lord, thank you for this um, warning. I was a little bit prepared for, uh, for that. Okay. All right. So. We will do our best to get through more than perhaps just two verses. But anyway, let's have a look. So I'm going to read. Uh, I'm actually reading from a, an ESV, although really, honestly, it doesn't, doesn't particularly matter. To the churches of Galatia. This is Galatians 1, verse 2. To the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us, from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, you could probably just stop there and we could spend the rest of the evening talking just about that. But we'll continue it with the, um, the other gospel. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one. 
But there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Now, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you receive, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now, those were the words we read last week. Let's see if we can unpack them. So this is to the churches, plural, of Galatia. We've discussed where we think uh, this, this land is and a little bit of their background. We are talking to a community, plural, and so they will share this encyclical. They won't all read it at the same time, but it eventually will circulate. And one of the treasures of that is you begin to create copies. What's so good about having copies? Well, eventually we get one which we can put in our Bible. They don't just remain a one-off document, which is lost to history. Instead, you end up with multiple, multiple copies, and they get penned and copied and translated, uh, sometimes modified a little, um, and then uh, we have the uh, biblical archaeologists and literary archaeologists, which is an incredible field of study, have a fantastic job trying to figure out what was the original, Okay. Um, and, and more power to them. Okay, it's a fascinating study. And then so verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, grace and peace, uh, how would you say that in Hebrew? Anyone know? Shalom v'chesed. Chesed v'shalom. Yeah, and, and okay, this is actually, we've actually found this greedy, chesed v'shalom, in other uh, encyclicals of the of concurrent time period. This seemed to be the way you write. Now, obviously, we don't write that way ourselves all the time, although some people do. Usually, when we write a letter, how do we in- write a letter? What's our formula? Greetings. Yeah. Greetings, greetings brethren. Yeah, greetings, brethren, or dear Aaron. Dear. dear. Yes. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. Or or the or the worst one ever, dear John. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone hates those dear John letters, yes? Okay. Especially John. Especially John, yes. <laughs> gosh. Every time he gets it, he thinks, oh, my gosh, my friend is leaving. Uh, but uh, it's, a, it's a common way of writing. What's not common is the next bit. Chesed v'shalom, grace and peace. Oh, yeah? From who? From our Lord. God. Yeah. From the Father and, and, and Jesus, so, the Messiah. Excellent. Who's missing? The Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Okay. Why do you think that would be? They all have the Holy Spirit in them already. If they're believers, I guess. Okay. This is Holy- yeah. Why not? Why, why, why send greetings from the Holy Spirit when he's sitting there listening with you? That's, that's an interesting one. Okay. That's a cool, cool answer. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. He's the one writing the letter. <laughs> He's the one writing the letter. There you go. Holy Spirit's writing the letter. Can't say greetings. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. think we have any examples in the New Testament of uh, prayer to or communications toward the Holy Spirit. We have only words from him. Yeah, that's an interesting thought, isn't it? Yeah. Unpack that a little bit, Aria, if you can. Well, I have my 
uh, theory about it, but we don't have explicit statements. Our problem is not with the Holy Spirit. He's just as good as the rest of uh, his family. The problem is in us, in our, in our imperfect discernment. We're called to recognize the Lordship of Jesus Christ and to worship him and serve him also as the one who gives the Holy Spirit. If we've received a spirit from Jesus Christ, we have the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of Christ. But, but outside of him, the devil can operate very well under any label of spirit or God or, or anything else. We need to be careful in this uh, business. Okay. That was a lot That's there. I'm trying to write it all down. Go, Vida, while I'm writing this down. Right. I, I love what Ariel said because it, it makes sense. But I've just got one question. Why then are we baptized in the name of the does Paul say be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Well, if, that, if the Spirit that name, the, the usage of name there is not a baptismal formula. It means on behalf of, as the representative of. Right, the greeting. Yeah. And, the for, greeting. And, for, and for the sake of and the glory of. That's also included in this name business. It's not a, it's not a incantation. That no, I, exact, I, I get that. that. Yeah, that the exact formula is important. It's we recognize we're working on someone's behalf. Right. Okay. See, I was discussing this with the volunteers this morning and uh, I said, uh, what do you guys think? And actually there was sort of kind of stunned silence because um, people, I, I guess probably because they didn't, that they didn't think or have noticed this kind of thing before. And, and, and I said, look, I don't have an answer, but let's just say something like this. Um, isn't it interesting that the Holy Spirit has been sent? We're coming, you know, coming up to Pentecost, and He's with us and He's empowering us, and but He's not doing it for any self-grandizement at all. Who's He trying to honor? God and the Father. Oh, thank you. Okay. Now that's not a very good answer per se, but but it was what I was trying to say to volunteers is. Okay, just like the Holy Spirit, who's always trying to make sure that the Father's being honored, that the Lord Messiah is being honored, that and, and not take any glory himself, that uh, shouldn't that be our role too? Shouldn't we be as humble as that? And uh, yeah. So anyway, it's not an answer per se, but it was a teaching per se, maybe from from the absence of this this phrase. But I liked what you said, Arias. So I'm not trying to write it all down. And then, Aaron, um, in verse 1, it says, through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him. And then just one verse later, he says, grace to you, peace from our God the Father and then the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's an inversion. Yeah, yeah, I, that's a good, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the inversion's for. Um, I, don't, I don't know what to drive from any meaning other than maybe it sounds nice in Greek. I, I, don't, I don't really know makes um in the first part he says you know and god uh, through jesus christ and god the father who raised him from the dead so yes that's probably the first uh order would be with that could be with that observation could be because in 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 his declaration as an apostle he has to also he includes the resurrection which is the you know the poignant part of the gospel you know jesus can die for your sins but if he stays dead who who cares <laughs> yeah no resurrection for us either but the his 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 lordship you know is proved by the resurrection you know you get those sermons and then again people. you know God proved he was the messiah by resurrecting him from the dead so in deuteronomy just you know the two witnesses 
All right, got the whole two witnesses thing. We don't need a third one. So, Spirit, you're out, buddy. Uh, no, not maybe not quite that um, blasé, but uh, yeah, there's a there's two witnesses there. But then, can we also say similar vein that grace and peace, because of the order, be the grace typically from God the Father, and the shalom, the peace comes through Christ that restored us back to God the Father. Oh, sure, so, that's a nice way of reading that 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 greeting as well. Yes, lovely. Yes, chesed and shalom, grace from God. Chesed, that's good. I'll note that. Yeah. So do you guys believe that, uh, Aaron, do you guys believe that when you, so when someone believes, then they receive the spirit that like you, so, so for example, when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, the concept that you have to be born again, you know, spiritually to enter the kingdom of God, you know, you have to be born by water and the blood, I guess, or water and the spirit, that the concept that, you know, like, um, so, yeah, I guess I'm not sure. Sorry to step on your toes if I am, but I, I'm not sure the background with you guys. But so in my circle, what kind of thing it's um, so at any age, whatever time that the spirit of God, you know, comes to you, because it seems to be sort of a, you know, spiritual thing. Then he comes and he goes about at his own kind of pace or whatever and draws and calls people, you know, like John one there, you know, you know, John one twelve there that so then you receive the spirit of God and that's what makes you a new creation in Christ. That's what makes you a, a Christian. Or do you, Amen. Hallelujah. You guys believe that that happens at, at birth or something at, at the baptism or something? No. I can have it at all kinds of times. Yeah. Like any, like just, any time in a person's life. Yeah. In our, in our study on the book of Acts, we discovered that the Holy Spirit can come at all kinds of times before baptism, after baptism, with the laying on hands, with breath, you you never never out try and put the Holy Spirit in a box. He's mm -hmm. he's just too good for that. But yes, yes, you get the Spirit. That is your seal and your mark. That is your your your. Uh, uh, and Jesus promised, right? So once he and a promise, the Lord, absolutely. Then he said he would send the Holy Spirit as our Comforter. So then, don't all believers that come to Christ sort of? in my understanding, little limited understanding, uh, you know, like surrender and repent and turn to Christ and we receive the spirit, but we don't lose it. You know, you know, like in the old Testament, the spirit would come on David or come on Saul. Or right, right, right. Yes. David had done some pretty nasty things and he still managed to say, don't take your Holy spirit from me. You know, this is after, Oh, murder and, and adultery, which, may not be big in some people's eyes, but I think it's pretty darn big, you know, out of, out of the, the, the ones up there. Just to add on that um, line of thought, um, there's a difference between the, when the spirits manifest in an unction and when we have the Holy Spirit. For instance, um, we all have the Holy Spirit, but we don't get into that unction all the time. Um, the, the Holy Spirit can manifest in a way and we, we, we begin to prophesy or begin to say things in mystery. But it's not that when we are not saying those things, we don't have the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not that when we're not speaking in tongues, we don't have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit, but it manifests in certain, um, in certain situations, manifests himself in certain situations. So we don't mix it about having the Holy Spirit and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, like you can walk in the spirit or suppress it. This word manifest is very important. Paul states explicitly in his first letter to the Corinthians that to everyone is given a manifestation of the spirit. It means a visible, perceptible, perceivable presence of the Holy Spirit working through a person in some way or another, speaking, acting, 
but tangible. And as we will see in this letter, Paul builds his whole theology in the letter to the Galatians on the fact that they knew that they had received the Holy Spirit. It was common public knowledge to all of them. Ariel, can I ask you a question? Based on that, is there, in what you said, is there really a distinction then between, because I, I personally believe that once you, you become to know the Lord, you, you have the Holy Spirit, he never leaves you. You can only know the Lord through the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit in your life to, to be a Christian and to be born again. Yes, yes. But mm. there's, a, there's, a, there's something that seems to be implied, a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Is that different? I, I personally don't think so, but it's an interesting point. However we understand these words, we have the instructions to repeatedly keep on being filled. So it's not a one-time uh, process anyway. It's a, it's a current practice of discipleship. Yeah. Yeah, because there's a verse that says you can quench the Holy Spirit. Eh? So I yes, think- I, yeah. I, would not, I would not be so quick to say that he would never go away. He doesn't leave, certainly habitually, but the, I do personally believe that if we persistently reject and even uh, uh, ultimately blaspheme and re- and confuse him with the devil that he he can and will depart i think so too. Uh, i don't i don't think this is a common and desirable outcome and he will work very hard for it not to happen but if 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 david prayed please don't take your holy spirit from me he must have had a, a basis of reason that he needed that prayer well, and in the New Testament, it seems to change in the sense that christ breathes out and gives the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and gives it to everybody where before I don't know if everybody in the you know the in the Jewish you know in Israel or whatever like all well, the Israel is Israel even in the Old Testament di- distinguished between Israel and Israel there was Israel who knew the Lord and there was Israel who did not know the Lord this phrase is used in the Old Testament so Knowing God is by his spirit. He is the life of God. He is the life of Christ. And if we have him, we're alive in Christ. And if we don't, we need to make every effort to receive. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, when he talks about prayer, he's, uh, and when, our, when he's praying, he's talking about knowing the fullness of God. Mm-hmm. And, and it's based on the love of God or the love of Christ, understanding and grasping that length with deep depth and height of Christ. And then you'll know the power of God that is within you. So it, it seems like it's an accumulative uh, mm-hmm. over a sequence of time. I mean, to, to know that the fullness of God actually is in you now, but you're not exhibiting the fullness of God means that it, it means either you can't handle it uh, because you're not mature enough um, or that you would cause a, uh, disgrace because of sin in your life or that you're not really grasping the, the fullness of Christ and his love, but the, the power is there. The Holy spirit is there. It just, as we mature, then we can know how to handle and express it. Well, in volumes rather than just a, a little bit at a time, that may be what it seems like a, a continual refilling, a continual understanding of the love of Christ, which is significant. I mean, it, to me, it's never ending to understand more and more of the love of Christ. Amen. Beyond me. Absolutely. It's, it's called the measure of the Spirit. 
because yes. every time you yes. get a measure of the spirit and um, you, you don't get to the fullest um, and the, the Bible makes us to understand that when we see him, then we'll become like him. That is when yes. we get to the fullest and um, when we appear before him. But right on earth, we'll continue to increase in wisdom, increase in the power, but we'll never get to the fullest until we meet with him. Yeah, it's powerful. But like in John 15, you guys are adding to that, Shimshon, it seems like we, we're, we're just fruitless without him, right? So I am the vine, <laughs> you are the branches, right? right? So yeah. you can't even try to do kind of religious activity. I mean, you can do it. You can do it probably all day, every day, because clearly Jesus said that, like, I don't even know you. And these people were like casting out demons and correct. You know, apart from yeah. me. So clearly you can do a lot of, wow. Like it seems like correct. People know, right? bad yeah. people can still do good things. You know, non-believers <laughs> still love their kids, but what fruit does that eventually have? And, and John is, and Jesus, Yeshua is saying in John, Abide in me, remain in me, because without me, it, it comes to nothing. You can do nothing. So you don't yeah. even have the power, I don't think. So I think the power comes from Christ. Well, That's it depends on what we understand by doing, because bad people can still do good things, but, but you can do nothing to what end. It's do not the that, work that God has called you to do, maybe is a better way to say it. So you maybe, maybe, but even, even a secular doctor can be very skilled and can cut out cancer and send you home well. Um, they can do things and not know God, but to what end? If they can cure a person of cancer, but they don't tell them about the Messiah and the guy dies anyway, well, who cares? Might as well die to cancer then and there. But if, if the guy can share the love of the Messiah and bring you into the world to come. What about if he actually does the, you know, whatever work he's doing, he does a service to God? Because you find this very often with religious orders in particular, that they say everything we do, whatever it is, whether it's cleaning the toilet or meeting with people and teaching or whatever, we do it for God as service to him and we offer it up. And that's, that's a different kind of way of doing it. It's a different motivation, isn't it? Yeah, like I guess we're talking about two different things, right? So like if we're talking about just our position before God, like whether we're in the kingdom of light or the kingdom of darkness versus, you know, how we live it out and, you know, the rest of our life once we've entered the kingdom of light, then we continue to serve and love God, you know, based on his guidance and strength and direction of the spirit. But yeah, I think positionally when we have repented and turned to God and, and you know, received his spirit, then we are right with God in that sense and part of the kingdom of light instead of part of the kingdom of darkness. He pulls well, I think we're actually talking about the same thing per se. Attached to the vine, our, our fruit will continue and endure forever. Apart from the vine, our fruit cannot. It might flower for a little bit, but it will wither and die and, uh, and not endure. Okay. Wow. Okay. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. What a packed verse that one was. Okay. I mean, um, my gosh, could you imagine being the Galatians and just sitting around trying to unpack this, you know, and people are going, I want to keep reading. No, I really want to stop and talk about this. <laughs> you, you wonder how many times they reread this again and again and again to, to suck up uh, uh, Paul's words. So we have our greeting. And as part of this greeting, we have God, the father and the Lord. And then we get a bit more description from them. Verse four, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay. So again, 
Yeshua is at the end and uh, he is because he gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. Unpack that with me, guys. What do you think that means? Is it not really the gospel in a nutshell? You know, right. the, the death and resurrection of Christ so that we can be saved from the wrath to come. Okay. Restored to the Father. Right, but isn't that interesting? Who gave himself for our sins to get us into heaven. No. To save no, us from our sins to... Yeah, <laughs> deliver us from this evil age. Yeah, where are we? Still, on the Still evil in age. this present evil age. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What, no change. Yes, yeah, so I can just imagine the Galatians sitting there going. Funnily enough, I think the Romans are still in charge. You know, it's like, <laughs> what's, what's Paul saying here? Yeah. So spiritually, spiritually, I guess. Uh, Right, so he, 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 right, he, to deliver us, he gave himself for our sins. So we have this, this concept of, you know, the ransom for many, uh, my blood is a new covenant for the forgiveness of sins, these kinds of ideas, right? And uh, to deliver us, and it's not just from our sins, but deliver us from this present evil age. It is not to take us out of the world, but it is to deliver us from the present evil age. So how does this sacrifice for sin deliver us from this present evil age what do you think guys what do you think the connection is between our sinful nature and the present evil age is this being born again okay where we are now in the kingdom of light rather than in the kingdom of darkness okay yes I will say yes to that and also add that um, this present evil age um, talks about the control and the, um, the kind of social and um, life that is being lived in this world, the, the kind of norms that are acceptable to wow. this present world that are not acceptable to the kingdom. Those are what we've been delivered from. That's what um, Paul is referring to in this place. Okay, so an influence from, so we've been delivered from sin. We have the spirit and we have some way to combat the influence that this present evil age is, is trying to put on you. Yeah. Okay. Spirit, of kind of cool. yes. spirit of holiness. Spirit of holiness. Second Peter 1 verse 3 there and 4 is phenomenal. So Second as Peter his, 1, okay. 1 verses 3 and 4, yep. as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and God. Mm -hmm godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises so by the promises of god that through these promises presumably you may par be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lusts but like in another version i had it says caused by evil desires so you know like the deceitfulness of sin like it, uh -huh. it like it's good but it's a lie you know yep. uh, so we escape like, that's a powerful verse, I find, you know, that mm -hmm. we escape the corruption that's in this world through, like, through lust, through deceitful sins, you know, that kind of concept. Right. It's, that's, I always find those verses interesting. We escape the corruption of the world, but we don't escape the world. Right. And, and, and yeah. some, some segments of our community just want to escape the world. Okay. I, I, no, I've met, I've met some, and some, some people at, at, uh, at Christ Church. Lovely believers, they're great brothers and sisters, but all they want to do is die. 
You know, they, they just don't want to be here. And you scratch your head and you go, oh, my gosh, man, walk in front of a truck then. I mean, go on. But, uh, <laughs> but, 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 but what, what is it that, that happened to you that the spirit doesn't seem to free you from, from the, the pressure of this world? And it's amazing, isn't it? The pressures of this world really do hurt people. And they get people down and they get people depressed and they don't see hope. And they, they, um, they just sit, basically sit and say, Lord, please take me out of the world. But that's not what Jesus said, did he? He said, go into the world. I send you into the world. I don't send you out of it. I send you into it. Off you go. Interesting. But isn't it because we're saved in order to walk after Jesus, not in order to just disappear off to heaven? That, that is part of what happens when we die. But, but our life matters after we've been redeemed, doesn't it? I like that, Teresa. Our life matters. It matters mm. to God and it matters mm. now after, after our new birth. And it's a witness to others, you see. That's the thing. They, they'll, they'll know them by their fruits. So yeah. if we don't live as Jesus requires us to, then it's a very bad witness. Why would people want to join us as part yeah. of the community? Yeah, that's right. Let's I think join a bunch really of depressed imp- people who are just waiting to die. Yeah, that's an interesting yeah. <laughs> But I think it's something that many churches don't focus on. They're just interested yeah. in getting people in, but not thinking about the, the, the walk, walking mm. after him. Mm. Well, Hebrews talks about the sin that so easily entangles us, um, and and by following the, our pioneer of our faith, Jesus, uh, we can avoid that entanglement. Uh, I think Paul is alluding to the same structure there, that mm-hmm. through that sense of deliverance, being delivered from this age, we'll be less inclined to be entangled in that which could kill us, basically. Uh, spiritually, and as well as physically in some cases. In some cases, yeah. Chimshon, yeah? Yeah, I was going to add that Paul to the Philippians, um, it, it kind of painted this picture very well. Um, in Philippians 1, from 21 to 26, it says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But mm-hmm. I am to live on, on this fl- on, in this flesh. This will mean fulfilling labor for me. And I do not know which to choose, for I am hard pressed between yeah. both directions, you know. And I went further and began to say that um, yet to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake, you know. Um, yeah. yeah, sometimes in life yeah, you, you, you get hit by a lot of things and you just wish you're not here. You just wish Christ just comes. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Every, yeah. You know, sometimes you hear some news and you say, God, you just switch off the lights, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, yeah, I'm glad but... you're here, Shimshon, because you live in this country which has seen so much persecution that is absolutely completely ignored by the world. Unbelievable. I mean, yeah, here we are in Israel. We've, we've, made, we've made international news and condemnation, okay? And, and some of us woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning and stayed awake ever since. Mm. But in, in Nigeria... What's the what's the death toll? Nearly two thousand this year, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, about two thousand this year so far uh, this, from this, Christians. This being, so far. Yeah, yeah. And, and we've had um, Oh my gosh, woe is us! You know, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, it's it, it's really sad because um, all of a sudden the the whole world seems to be lost in other things, like other kind of news, just kind of drown the situation for us. 
and kind of put us in a very, you know, um, bad situation. Uh, we also have, um, um, recently I had a, a, one of the speech by one of the envoys of the Americans, and he said um, that um, Nigeria is not a priority. And, you know, it kind of just struck us uh, very hard that, um, uh, um, that for Nigeria not to be a priority, um, it's more about um, what's, uh, well, it's a big one, but what the whole global system is trying to achieve. Um, because if Nigeria is destroyed, because we have a very huge Christian community here, it's going to seriously impact the influence of the Judeo-Christian tradition that is in Africa. And we have a lot of um, missionary from Africa, especially from Nigeria across the world. And if Nigeria is destroyed, it's going to affect that flow. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you guys. Uh, some of our people who listen online also write back. So you, it's great that you're here reminding us of our brothers and sisters who preach the gospel and die for the gospel on a daily basis. And that's encouraging. So thanks, brother. Appreciate it, mate. All right. Thank you. Aaron, isn't it also about peace, about shalom? I mean, you look at John 14, 27. Peace okay. I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world uh, gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Yeah, so isn't, that, yeah. isn't that part of this? Absolutely it is. That's why we're, we're freed from the present evil age, but we're still in the present evil age. We have peace, but not as the world gives, because the world ain't going to give really true peace. It's going to try. It's going to give this false thing called peace, which is essentially unattainable. But uh, but it's going to try. And, um, and peace, but yeah, there is no all, peace. But there is no peace. Yes, Jeremiah, peace, peace, but there is no peace. And then Yeshua comes along and says, I can give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, this also in this uh you know these uh couple of verses in galatians how he talks about you know he, he mentions the name of the the father and the son many times i'm sorry i have a cock in the back in our backyard but the the, the oh, father is that, is that dinner is it that's fantastic <laughs> no it's the eggs it's the eggs for scrambled eggs for breakfast but uh, he talks a lot about the father and the son and, and a lot and this reminds me of the the uh that prayer Hoshiana from Psalm uh, 118, where it says, save us, we pray, or, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. It just, for me, there's also a lot of this, the saving and the name of God. And then I think of Isaiah 52, which, um, you know, and. Uh, Verse six. Therefore, my people shall know. I uh, shall. Uh, therefore, my people shall. I shall know my name. How beautiful upon the mountains, blah blah blah, of the one who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, and who publishes salvation. So, um, it just reminds me of those verses, and the, and lifting up the name of God and God equating salvation. Hoshiana. Great. Yep. All part of that delivering, uh, that saving us from our sins and delivering us from the evil age. Not to take us out of it, but to keep us in it. And as Andrew says in the chat, who rescued us to live in this present evil age. And I think one of the, the beautiful things we always got to remember about Paul and all of uh, the Jesus movement is we don't do it alone. or We get to do it together. And, uh, and my gosh, there's actually a lot of us. <laughs> 
when you when you open your eyes and realize how big the kingdom is. It's it's good news. Okay, so we are. Uh, he he gave himself for our sins, delivered us from the evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Small doxology there. According to the will of God the Father. Now, of course, you can get into the Calvinism if you want to, but the remember, it's God so loved the world. It was his will and his desire that he wanted to redeem this, this world. Could have easily destroyed it. He could have, I don't know how many times in history he could have easily destroyed it, but uh, it was his will to deliver it. It was his will to send the Son and that's often sometimes hard for us to understand. Why did God do it this way? It was your will to come down and die. Like you couldn't figure something else out. Like it's, a, it's, when you, it's an incredible plan, but it somehow is the best of plans because the, the followers that he has created believe without seeing are friends with people you would never be friends with if not for the Holy Spirit have the power of the Spirit to do the most amazing things that have uh, we've built hospitals where there were none, dug wells, started education, shared the gospel, died, got eaten, sent more, uh, we've, and, and, and all for essentially um, a spirit we can't see but we can feel uh, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a God that we can't see but we know who exists. We can see what he does and we can see him in each other and you can see how powerful this word is. It's an incredible way, you know, according to the will of God. This is the best way to the glory of God mm-hmm. uh, forever and ever. And, and, and I think that was another thing that the Holy Spirit does. Uh, in his humility, he takes the backstage, yet constantly elevating the Father and the Son, and uh, uh, to, whom be, to whom be the glory. All right. Aaron, this reminds me also of the book of Hab- Habakkuk because it's exactly okay. his complaint is why, Lord, why haven't you? Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> why these guys? Action, why and why aren't you answering? And he says, you know, um, even though it seems slow, wait for it. I'm coming. It's just the righteous will live by faith. But at the end, I love the end of Habakkuk, which is the same thing that we can you know, as, as we're looking at the evil and, and what's going on, and I love the very end on the last chapter, though the fig tree uh, should not blossom, nor fruit on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flocks be cut off, there be no herds in the stall, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will take joy in the God of my Yeshua, of my, the God of my salvation. Mm. So God is my the Lord, my strength, he makes us like the feet of deer just that's really the book of Habakkuk is exactly in just first verses of Galatians. Yes, we have a we have a question from Sharon Arie, uh, appealing now to our Greek scholar. Arie, what I, Ionion, it's age, it's not world, it's not cosmos. And the verb that he employs here is an aris subjunctive. It, it's forward looking towards the future, it's not looking back at what he has done. It's he has did these things so that he might deliver us from the, this current evil age. Yeah, this present evil age means like kind of more like world system versus period of time. It's a period. It's a time. It's a corrupt time until the end of the age. This in Hebrew is olam. We mm-hmm. This goes back to second temple period. Ha'olam is this 
current age. Ha'olam haba is the next age. Hmm. So it's a uh, a future period of time. Okay. So deliver us, deliver us is a future aorus. That is an interesting. Um, no, it's a subjunctive aorus. Subjunctive. He's looking forward so that he might deliver us. Okay. Thank you. Excellent. Everybody catch what Arya just said? Yep. Yep. Okay, fantastic. So that if at any time we read that, is does that apply to this present age? Yes. That's, yeah. This is so full because... But- but it's it's future as well. It's not a it's not a done deed one time. Right, it's, right. It's a, it's a constant. It's a declaration of, of intent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because oh. I was thinking, if this present age in the tenth uh, century, in the fourteenth century, in the twenty first century, it's this present age, correct? Yes, and the age hasn't changed. What does right. change for it is God's declared intent to deliver us from it. Right. Right, right. So as we learn more in our relationship with Christ and more about the, the power of the Holy Spirit, we are better able to do the will of God, correct? Of course. Okay, thank you. Probably that's true, eh, Elizabeth, that like the more holy you are, the more peace you have in your life, like the more happier you are, the more blessed in a way, the more you avoid the headaches of this present evil age, you know? One would hope, Sharon. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, I got to say, guys, you guys are really unpacking this verse, these verses with me. It's awesome. I'm uh, I yeah, I mean, I'm I'm learning a lot. The reason why I'm in quiet because I'm learning, you know, which is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've written about eight and a half, and I we know we've only done about. Oh my gosh, we did two more verses, three more verses. Oof, but one of them was only a doxology. Anyone want to unpack the doxology? No, don't, please. We're fine. <laughs> okay. yeah. All right, let's let's uh, continue. Uh, verse six. Uh, my other little title, no other gospel, of course, there's no titles in the in these texts, but I've got one. I am astonished. I'm sure there's a, probably a really cool Greek word that goes with that, that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of, of Christ and the grace of Christos, the Messiah, and are turning to a different gospel. Aria is the Greek. What's the Greek there? I am astonished. What's he, what's he trying to say? Almazo. I'm amazed. I'm amazed. Okay. I'm, I'm perplexed. What the heck's going on? Is, it, is that what he's trying to say? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And uh, they are so quickly deserting. Isn't that interesting? Uh, uh, Sharon says, Aaron, do you have a time limit to finish the book? No, not really. Just, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm actually amazed that we haven't had any rockets. We're, we're doing really well. Thank you, Hamas, that you are so, so kind. I appreciate it. <laughs> My word. When it says leaving um, to another gospel, is that the apostasy, apostasia? Uh, no, but no, but the word can mean that, and that's what it means here, in my opinion. It's metatithomy. Okay, let me let me just write be, this down. To be transferred away. Got it. And if we combine that with this other gospel, these people have apostatized. Okay. In Paul's view. Okay. So this is quite 
shocking in, in, in a real context. If you understand that it's like a, the, the apostasy that we know is coming in the end, end of age, it's mm -hmm. actually already happening. Yes, and the, that's why it says later in the book, oh, Galatians, I'm now uh, again travailing in birth pangs. Yeah, yeah. They, they have completely lost it. Huh. And so, yeah, so, so uh, Vida, you were, you were saying that the future falling away is also kind of happening back then and back today. Then. Is that what we're trying yeah. to say? Okay. Yeah. yeah. The future falling away, is that in, which book is that in? Is that in Thessalonians? Thessalonians. These are very harsh words and harsher than the way he's talked to any of the other churches. Correct? Yeah. I mean, this is a, this is a full blown condemnation of their action. Mm. What they Would you say? Uh, I would probably have to say yes, but not being a Greek scholar per se, but Aria, <laughs> is his Greek um, like really quite harsh? No, not particularly, not but it's clear. Okay. But it's clear. Okay. The, anath very the, anath the anathema that's coming is pretty harsh. Yeah. Was, yeah. Well, we get to that <laughs> one. Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But in so, context, yeah. so in a context, this sorry, this this seems to be a real rebuke Paul is giving to the church. Whereas we just read in, in if you read in Corinthians, where the church was. Um, having a fornication and all sorts of things, they seem to be getting less of a rebuke that, and that Paul is more shocked for what they are doing here. And there seems to be this falling away seems to be more dangerous than, than, than walking in sin. Absolutely. Wow. You know, I had not thought of that, Peter. I know I really hadn't thought of that. Yes, it's true. Something about what's going on here causes this, um, quite strong rebuke yeah but you're right there's the corinthians and they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff um and yet they've got the fruit of the spirit they've got uh, well they've got gifts of the spirit out the brass razoo and he's got all kinds of hope for them to be you know generous to the future but not but not these guys wow shimshon what were you gonna say yeah i want to say that um we, we've seen this elsewhere where people quickly turn away from god um, I think um, Yvonne was just trying to quote um, the first one, which we noticed in on the Mount Sinai when Moses went up the mountain. And before he came down, God told Moses that the people have quickly corrupted themselves. They've just heard the word. This have experienced God, but now they're just quickly turning away from God. And we see it also in um, church history. Uh, if you ch study church history and you see how a lot of great changes um, that happened from the initial um, ecclesia that was uh, that was left behind by the apostle. It's almost like a thunderclap. How it's just changed from the way they worship, following the the traditions of the fathers, and um, how we ended up to where we are today in um, um, throwing away the Sabbath and so many other things. It's it's also very quick. Um, we've always been very quick to turn away from the true gospel that we receive. Hmm. Yeah, that's the key, I think, deserting the gospel versus just sort of, oh, you know, doing their own thing or something. Yeah, well, look at the um, uh, verses that Yvonne put in there. You know, look at the sacred history of Israel, Exodus 32, 8. They mm. turned aside quickly from the way in which their fathers have walked in obeying the commandments of the Lord. It, 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 isn't it part of, it must be part of our human condition to see how quickly we can turn away. 
um, which is uh, unfortunately the same. But these guys seem to have done it. Um, of course, they're going to get a bit more explanation a bit further on as to why, but they are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ, grace of the Messiah. So grace, which we attributed to God, but grace is also attributed to the Messiah. Okay, Grace upon grace, you know, there's our hyper grace, but it's, uh, it's the grace of the Messiah. And are turning, or as um, uh, Arie told us in the Greek, being transferred away, being, being, being separated from, uh, very close to, but not, not the word apostasy, but the same inyan, the same intention, to a different gospel. How many gospels are out there? Well, it's one gospel, yes, but obviously... Right. One gospel. <laughs> yeah. We have a lot here. <laughs> you have, how many you got in Brazil? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> okay, well, we got a lot. Okay. That's, that's a shame. <laughs> Which gospel did you still speak of? The gospel. The good news. But there was a different gospel. Not that there is another one. That's what Paul says. I mean, right, not really. But there are some who trouble you and they want to distort. Okay? So what is a different gospel? It is a distortion. Okay. There's only one gospel, but somehow they, it's become corrupted, distorted, displaced, or something. Something's, it's not straight anymore, uh, the gospel of Christ. What's the word Greek? In, what's, for the, uh, what's distort? Something to do with the um, twisting of, uh, of, of what is the gospel, the good news uh, of the Messiah. My Bible translates it as per pervert. Pervert, yes. Yeah, so it, it can have that. It's... Um, it's it's very much corrupted, you know. It's um, it's perverted, distorted. That's why Yeshua in the Great Commission, <clears throat> he says, you know, the authority has been given. And he commands them to go and and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. Correct. And yes. I am with you always until the end of the age. Again, that's concept. But it's just the emphasis on not straying from the word, from the commandments. Yep. Yep. Yeah, in First Corinthians 15, guys, it's a nice summary of the gospel, you know. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, and that he was seen by Cephas, then by the twelve, mm -hmm. and, uh, by a bunch of different people, you know? Yep. So, yes, that's a very good summary of the, the gospel. can be short uh, to unpack it, and then we unpack it once people have come into the faith. We teach them the commandments uh, of the Lord. But someone's come in and they're distorting it. And so he, he then says, but even if we, and why would he do that? But we being a, some sort of collective, whether an agent of, my, of, of a shaliach from Paul or from his community, if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preached to you before, let him be accursed. Okay, this is pretty strong language. Why do you think Paul, I mean, it's interesting that Paul, even if we would preach 
you another gospel. Why would he even be tempted to do so, do you think? And has that happened in the past in church history? What do you think? The answer would be? Yes. Yes. You got any examples of a, of a hero who used to preach the gospel and then suddenly twisted it and distorted it? Yeah, I can. Well, I'm going to use some that turn back to works where they go back into having to do the law okay. in order to Get add saved. to their salvation. Okay. All right. Yeah, that would be a distortion of, uh, of that. Yeah. Bafford. Who? Spafford, the guy that wrote It Is Well on the ocean crossing when he lost his children, then went to Israel and started the... American colony. Yes. And then Ed became the Messiah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The other side of the story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oops, it, it's incredible, isn't it? Sometimes our heroes can preach the gospel, but then later something happens and they preach something else. And so one of our tasks, brothers and sisters, is always to ground ourselves in the good news, in the teachings of the Messiah, and not to deviate from them. And one way of doing it, yeah, King Solomon, there's a good example, Yvonne. King Solomon, he started out so well. And then he ended so poorly. Uh, that's, a, that's a good example. Uh, there, are, there are lots of examples. And so Paul even includes himself in his warning. If we, or even an angel from heaven. Now, why would he say that? Like, what's the, what's the, the, the Jewish uh, worldview that you would include an angel uh, in communicating to humans? For example, with Samson, with um, when, before he was born, the, the angels always came down to usher in or, or um, indicate what was God was going to do. Right. So it was always bringing God's word. So they always assumed yep. that the angel would bring the truth of God's word. Correct. Yeah, there was a, a, a they had in, in Second Temple period literature, but also in the Bible, but a lot more in Second Temple period literature that builds up to the New Testament. There was a strong... Um, uh, intervention by angels that would deliver the word of the Lord. And, uh, and yeah, so you just would kind of expect that if an angel showed up, he was going to tell you the truth. Uh, Gideon, go kill Midianites. Oh, yeah, all right, well, I'll test that one. Uh, you know, uh, angels would show up for Daniel and give him the, the, the nature of dreams and visions, mm. yeah, these kinds of things. You know, you're going to have a child. Well, I believe it, but my husband doesn't. You know, these kinds of things, which, that is true. An angel shows up to Mary. It's the word of the Lord. Whatever you say, let it be true. You know, and I'll, I'll put it into practice. But, um, and so Paul puts it into that warning, you know, that uh, careful. If, if we change the gospel, if an angel comes and changes the gospel, let him be. Uh, in my, in my um, uh, English, it's got a curse. But, of course, the Greek is anathema. Is that right, Arie? Yes. Excellent. And so how strong is that uh, word? Pretty strong. Like I outlined last week, it's taken from the Hebrew word cherem in the Old Testament. It's associated with Aham, who okay. tripped up Israel when he took the uh, spoils at Jericho. Yeah. Everyone remembers the he's, event. He's, yeah. the, he's called the Ocher Israel, the one who uh, caused Israel to be uh, turned aside. 
Yes. So yeah. can I ask a question on this? It's about sure. if anyone preaches another gospel, we as brothers and sisters in Christ can have different understandings of things. For example, let me just throw one in. You have to be baptized to be saved or baptism doesn't really matter. You've got some doctrines like I think the Baptists, some of, some of the Baptists say you have to be baptized You're in right. order to be saved. So is these fundamental changes that would cause you to have anathema or is it something more distinctive, which is actually the falling from grace that comes through salvation only through Christ Jesus? And is that not also bordering on it? If you have to do baptism, it's taking away from the fullness of the grace that's in Christ Jesus. So where does, because there's so many doctrines today. Yeah, the thing we, we, I accept a lot, you know, I listen to a lot of them. I, you know, I say, I don't, I, I don't think what you're saying is right, but, you know, I'll still listen to that brother. Yeah, Paul has been very specific. That's a good um, question. When, when, when people get born again, and if the person, I mean, gets a conversion and is born again, if he dies then, and I mean, he, he didn't have any opportunity of making it to a mikvah or a baptism, it's going to make heaven. It's not about the, yeah, it's going to be in heaven, but it's yeah. not about the, the baptism that qualifies the person to be in heaven. I, I used to have a pastor that says, if you go in as a wet sinner, you will just come out as a, if you go in as a dry sinner, you will just come out as a wet sinner. So we, we, we can have people that are not, you know, truly bapt, um, genuinely converted, baptized, and they're not saved. I mean, they're not going to be saved once they have that, that true conversion. And um, the, the, the encouragement of the baptism must be seen from a Hebraic perspective, because for them, you have to leave your old ways. Yeah. So the, the, the mikvah is that, okay, I'm being cleansed from my old ways so that I don't return back to my old ways. Yeah, that's the most important thing that we, we should bring out from baptism. It's very important. We should do it. And of course, you know, uh, unlike in Christianity, we just, real, we just think it's just a one-time thing. Um, in, in, in the concept of Paul that was teaching about baptism, it wasn't a one-time thing. It's, it's, it's a continuous thing. Mikvah is always being done every time you find yourself, you know, being defiled, you go for a mikvah and everything. And so if we use it from that concept, we see that even when you become born again, you continue to get yourself cleansed. And it's not just only the physical rituals, because when you go in, you're, you're, you're also confessing your sins and, you know, trying to eliminate all kinds of impurities. And also, I, I, to add on to what Samson said, the the whole idea of, I, I, and I, I think it was, is it, I'm not sure, Dave, is, uh, your name, is that your husband's name, David Butterfield? I'm not yeah. sure what your name is. And it's what Vida. is your name? Vida. Vida. Uh, Vida. Uh, that's life in, 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 in yes. Portuguese. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyways, um, the whole, like, we came out of a, a Baptist church, the whole, so I studied that a lot, the whole concept of the water, the water's so interesting, the depth of it, Abraham, the Evidi, he crossed over, he crossed out, you know, crossed through, through the waters, you have the concept of the breakers, the porets, so the breaking through 
true. Like, like when the the Egyptians were in the the stuck of the womb of of the Israelis uh, Egyptians and breaking through and and in in the new Testament, you know, talks about how they were baptized into a new life and. And to me, you know, this, this concept of, of, you know, of in the waters, dying to self, coming out, but also breaking up porets, breaking out to, to then expand that on the kingdom, the kingdom, uh, you know, and it's, so it's just such a deep concept, the whole idea of the waters. And then Jesus is the living, Yeshua is the living water. The, so the water concept is just so amazing. And it's not a, it's not for salvation, but it is a, it is a, um, it's a mark of our salvation. But it's also this this metaphorical concept of of breaking out of the depth of Sheol and breaking into the kingdom and into the kingdom of light and and continuing that concept and, and that idea and breaking being the poor etzers, <laughs> as Micah says. Uh, we just continue with that. Well, we'll also equate it to what we do today in the traditional church system. You ask people to come for altar call. Um, okay. That's you might be saying it's common. Is when people come for mikvah, they were coming to John the Baptist in the wilderness, and he was doing mikvah for them. It's just the same process. It's an outward declaration that yeah, I have received. I have received the Lord as my Savior. I've left my sins and everything. And so, it, it, without having the real genuine conversion. The, the water thing is um, it will be useless. Yeah, and it's a one-time thing, like with the Baptist background, like it's a one-time thing in Baptist circles. Anyway, a lot of North American Baptists. Yes, it's a one-time thing in the Baptist circles, and the one-time thing in many Christian circles. But now, when you study the scripture, you realize actually it wasn't intended to be a one-time thing. No, you want to get filled with the Spirit every day. Yeah, go in the waters every day. Yeshua I, want, I, I, want, I want the Holy Spirit every day. Yeah. Repent every day, but you only so you know, like so when Christ gives that command in, in like uh, in verse twenty eight there at the end of John, you know, go and baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But it's not for salvation, like you were asking Vita. It's it's just to be. It's an obedient thing. But you only baptize them in actual water once. But you're talking about like. Like the, the baptism of John, like repentance? No, no, no. I, my question was, is what, when we mix in with brothers and sisters and they have another doctrine, for example, where they say you have to be baptized to yeah. be saved. That yeah. when, when, when it talks about the gospel to another gospel, to be anathema, what, what is it within the body of Christ that we keep to the core gospel? Yeah, and where is it dangerous in our belief? Yeah, the good question is, the text is, and Vita's got it hitting on, are you preaching another gospel? Okay, fine, got some else. What is it? Are other yeah. denominations other gospels? And if so, oh, my gosh, but how do I, what, how do I uh, warn people? You know, uh, what does it mean if you, by preaching another gospel? Now, obviously, not obviously, because when I was growing up, I, I was raised in a Lutheran family with, with uh, my mother being Anglican. So only Anglicans and Lutherans were going to heaven and everybody else was doomed for hell. You know, you crazy Pentecostal Baptist people. Um, and, and let's not talk about Catholics. Oh, my gosh. Okay? <laughs> and none of us knew what the Orthodox were because we lived in a, in a farm. But 
but most of us have moved beyond that. And now we can appreciate perhaps a beauty in variety of denomination, yet we seem to know when a denomination is going wayward on a gospel. But yes. we do. Like, like I, we, we could say we understand Lutheran theology, we understand uh, Anglican tradition, we even get a little bit of those Catholic people, especially those charismatic Catholics, they're really kind of cool. You know, Orthodox, they're not bad. Um, Presbyterians, blah, 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 blah. Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh-uh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think they're good. Wait a second. What, what about the Mormons? Yeah, yeah, the Mormons. <laughs> yeah. And you just bring them, I think, Vita back to 1 Corinthians 15 to the gospel, the true gospel. And then yeah, the, the verses you read, which is the, the gospel summarized. And as long as that is the fundamental and it's Christ being the center for the salvation, yeah. for our sanctification, for everything, we're, yeah. we're kind of safe. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. So what did the what did the Pope say recently that got him into lots of trouble? Does anyone know? What I mean, he's it? always getting himself into trouble. Every time he opens his mouth, he gets into trouble. But <laughs> but he happened to say something about uh, three or four months ago that got him into lots of trouble with some Catholics, not all of them. Do you remember what he, what he said? He said Jesus was the only source of salvation. Yeah, which is appalling. Yeah. Oh yeah, but no, but that's what he said. Remember, he sat in the chair and he goes, "Stop telling me, Mary, that is part of your salvation." This is the Pope. Right. He said, no, it's it's Jesus. And then, of course, you had the Maryites who just, you know, love it. They went, how dare he say that? But, you know, he did. He's getting and back to the gospel. There you go. And, you, and there you go. Heard it from the horse's mouth or the Pope in this case. You know, so <laughs> might have said some other crazy stuff, too. But he got it right on that one. Karen, yeah. you talked about the word beyond is the implication here. And I turned to our Greek scholar. Um also, is that it's not just besides another gospel or another grace, but beyond what Paul has preached, that there's now more. It, Paul isn't necessarily wrong, but these teachers were saying, but there's other things. So it's right. beyond what grace is. Grace isn't sufficient. Mm. Is that the implication here? Uh, Aria, you got any thoughts on that one? What does it mean I to don't be think, contrary? I, I think in terms of defining another gospel, there's an infinite variety of them. Okay. The the core, as I think has been discussed, is quite simple. But yep. I think I would add perhaps the thought that the uh, uniform creed is not the solution. Uh, getting the combination of words is can be helpful. It's a discerning of spirits here, I think, above all. What spirit are we dealing with in people? Are we dealing with the spirit of Christ, or is there another spirit at work? And we have some clear New Testament instructions as to how to discern. Uh, yeah, test the spirit to see if it's Christ. And then, so, you know, in a way, too, it's like Martin Luther discovered, you know, the same cry of the Reformation, you know, sola scriptura, sola Christos, mm -hmm. sola, you know, by grace, by faith alone, you know, in Christ yeah. alone. No, we, we all have the Bible. That's why we got so many denominations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In fact, one of the things that um, began to cause the creed is that some, some people began to teach about... Um, that uh, there is no there is no deity in Jesus. Um, that Jesus was just a man, and you know, and so many of those, and those are very big deviation. Um, uh, things that denies that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus resurrected. Anything that 
goes against those are real, are they, they're really going to take us apart from the, from the real gospel. So those are another gospel um, that Paul was referring to. Yeah, and the, 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 the reason they, in liturgies, those that um, attend liturgical churches, the reason the creed usually comes after the sermon is, is to say this, so that the guy can get up and preach and then everybody else stands up and goes, yeah, I know what you said, but you're, you're an idiot. This is what I believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. So that, you know, that, it doesn't matter what you said, you moron. This is, the, this is, this is what I believe. Uh, was, they, 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 the creed was there so that in the, in the early tradition to, to check the preacher so that you know, the people who would come to the come to church, they didn't have Bibles. They would, you know, they would listen to these sermons and then they'd go, yeah, I know what you think, but my gosh, you're a moron. Who, who brought this guy? Let's stand up and confess what we believe. And then uh, it was, that was one of the reasons. <laughs> that's, that's a very nice one. It has, it has a very good... Um, uh, a, a very good counterpart in Judaism because um, when you read from the Torah, you end up saying, this is the Torah which uh, the Lord gave Moses, um, yeah. that the Lord gave us through the hand of Moses. So yeah. you're saying that what I've just read is not my word, it's God's word. Whatever you're going to do with it, you do with it. So you say, Hine ha Torah. And it's very interesting that it has um, a connotation with it. Yeah, that's true. It's, it, was, it was already there in, in Jewish liturgical formats. Yeah, yeah I mean, we, we obviously, there's this idea of discerning the spirit. Some of us, unfortunately, don't have that gift. Um, as you can see, that people follow crazy teachers. And uh, you scratch your head and you go, oh, my gosh. Um, if it was so easy to recognize a false one or discern a false spirit. And so one of the gifts of the spirit is... Discernment. discernment. Amen. Yeah. And so we need those guys who have discernment, who can come into our communities and go, I know you like that preacher. I know he sounds really good and he's very eloquent and he's kind of sexy, but what he says is not good. And uh, it is a, there's a false spirit there. And, uh, and we need those guys. They're, they're actually quite valuable for our community. We, we probably sometimes don't appreciate them. Um, for what they do, because this this is very early on in the in the ministry of Paul that uh, the good news, the gospel, had begun to be distorted. It had begun to be twisted. It had begun to be added to, separated from, and something else was there. and uh, And Paul was amazed. You know, he's in shock. Oh my gosh, how'd this happen? I, I didn't think this was going to happen, but it did. And uh, and that's why he even repeats. As we have said before, and so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one that you received, um, I guess that contrary, what, I'm not quite sure what the Greek word is there, Ariadus, does it mean separated from, apart from? Different from. Different from. Different okay, from. Yeah. Different from to the one you've received, let him be anathema, let him be accursed, let, him, let there be a, a cherem, and that's, that's tough. That's um. A, a tough uh, phrase, but there you go. And uh, I know that uh, Mordecai actually used this verse while he was in um, teaching us on, on um, Pierre vote For yeah. am I now uh, seeking the approval of man right, or of God? Uh, who am I really working for? Now, let's be honest. Many of us, unfortunately, sometimes we always want to get approval from people. We want to 
Uh, we want, we, we all, every worker wants their boss to say, well done. They do. But that doesn't mean uh, that, that, that in, in relation here that we should, that, that, uh, that, that, that seeking approval from a human uh, boss that you did a good job cleaning tables or waitressing or cleaning the car or repairing the computer. But uh, this is in relation to the gospel, relating to being a shaliach, relating to being an apostle, a sent one from the Lord, carrying that mission that Messiah has given us uh, by his spirit to, to expand his kingdom. Am I seeking the approval of men? Not in relation to that, I'm not. So brothers and sisters, we only want to get get well done, good and faithful servant from one person, and that's uh, God himself. Or am I trying to please men? Yeah. If I were trying to please men, I wouldn't be here, right? Uh, he's, he's, Paul, Paul, our dear brother, has had a bit of a rough life, and he's, no, it's only going to get worse, okay? And, um, and so he is definitely not trying to please, to please man. And um, he's only trying, I would not be a servant of the Messiah, Aaron, in Second John, it says, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any, any greeting, for whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Okay. I remember uh, a previous pastor uh, from Ireland, he would always say that, and he would always say, be careful who you invite into your house, be careful who you open the door to. Um, if they come with another teaching, don't even greet them. And then it just gets really, like, then it says whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. How do you, how would you, what were your, your thoughts on that? Reference it on? Second John 10 and 11. Verse 10 and 11. This reminds me of when the, um, yeah. <laughs> over and over again and they, they were the jehovah witness over and over and over and my sister was in brazil and i i didn't know at the time i let him in my house they were talking to me i like oh i thought we were all in the same you know we were all believing in the same thing and then i told my sister oh i had this really nice woman came in my house i was just telling her i was the bible and my sister's like oh my gosh don't do that don't let him back in and so Fast forward a couple of years, my sister actually was here visiting and they came. She shoot them away. They never came back. <laughs> nice. 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 I always, I always get cheeky. I always say, guys, come in, have some coffee with me. <laughs> and oh, they go, no. you can't do that. And it's like, oh, really? Oh, that is a shame. You better leave then. My are at tenacity. They they always show up. If the tenants are coming, ten o'clock, ten o'clock, they are at your door. They don't miss. You know, <laughs> yeah. I used to say if if we're very if we're very zealous like them, we will have changed the whole world. I mean, those guys. They are oh yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So, uh, in summary, we recognise that uh, the gospel is actually quite simple in terms of you know um, it's it's. Structure, you read it in 1 Corinthians 15, but it can be distorted, not can, it is distorted. It is distorted quickly, and uh, we have to be uh, on, on guard against this as custodians of the gospel. That does not mean that denominations are, in, a, in essence, evil. We should refrain from throwing stones from a house of glass and instead be concerned and conscious and discerning 
that uh, of, of what really is the good news of the Messiah and uh, bless those that continue to preach it. And, uh, you know, that means, brothers and sisters, that if we happen to see, you know, Catholics digging a well in, uh, you know, Puerto Rico or whatever, uh, but they love the Lord and they're bringing people to the Savior of the Messiah, then pat them on the back okay, and say, well done, brother. You're doing it. You're doing a good job. Because uh, I wasn't doing it. I'm glad, glad the Holy Spirit told you to do it. Okay. Um, Aaron, I have to test. I have a testimony for you because um, when we left our <laughs> we left our church, uh, it was just very, very, very closed minded. It's just very closed on. You know, they thought they were, you know, correct. And and after five years of of of, of listening and, and being exposed to the teachings at Christ Church, and then meeting you and um, your family and the radical, radical transformation in the life of my husband and myself in terms wow. of looking at other, um, you know, we have a lot of brothers and sisters in a lot, in a lot of different denominations and, and we can love them. And it's just exactly just your comment on what you said. And it's completely transformed my husband and I completely out of the judgmental attitude of, you know, we're whatever the, the well, is the, 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 the denomination that we're in, but it's just amazing how um, we have to really love our brothers and sisters. And like you said, if there's um, like, I have a Bible study now and half of my Bible study are um, they're women from uh, the Catholic church and they're coming to, to, to faith and finding out about the Messiah and learning like they, oh, I didn't know any, you know, before, I don't think that would have happened, but now I'm open to whatever, for, for whatever walk of life. And you want to come and hear about yeah. the word, you're more than welcome. We can love our Presbyterian brothers and we can, you know, if they're by aspersion or, or you know, other brothers. And, and if it's, you know, it's, if they don't think exactly, this is Elizabeth, I think was saying it, or was it Vita? If they don't think exactly the way that we do, it's okay. As long as they're not yeah. preaching a different gospel. Correct. Yeah. Well yeah. done. Thank you very yeah. much. Well, especially with the Catholic, it's usually uh, many of them have not been open to reading the Bible. True. In fact, um, many of them you will meet, they don't really read the Bible. Um, it's, um, yeah, the prayer books and um, the catechisms, and they just use that. They never read the Bible. So when you share with them from the scripture, they're always surprised. They say, really, is that there? Is that there? Yeah. And, and yeah. with the proliferation of Bibles, I expect that everybody should have one, you know. But Can I just say, I was brought up as a Catholic. I'm not in the Catholic Church now. But um, I think that was more true many years ago than it is now. There is, it, I can't generalize for the world. I can only talk in the lim limited experience I have. But there is more focus on the Bible. And certainly don't forget that there, I'm not excusing them, but I just want to give a, a, a flesh it out a little bit. Um, there are readings in the mass. There's always Old Testament, New Testament and a Psalm. And they go through the book, they're going through the lectionary, just like the Anglican Church are. And it's mostly the same. It's not always, but mostly. And during the week, they, if you go to daily mass, as many people do, and you, you're reading from the lectionary and the teaching will be from that on, on Sundays. But it's not very long. I agree. But um, they do. There is much more ownership of Bibles and much more study of it. And of course, the charismatic movement made a big difference. But the only thing yeah. I want to say is from the other angle, 
When I moved into the Anglican church quite a lot of years ago now, and mixed with, you know, went to various charismatic events, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. What was so painful for me was when people said, when did you become a Christian? And yeah. there was this focus on yeah. analyzing whether I was really and whether people like me were really Christian. And I thought, mm -hmm. this is awful. And then I, I stayed with friends I have in Spain that, or did have, that were members of the same very active, very lively Anglican church, similar to HTB. Um, that I belong to. But what really upset me inwardly was to see them always saying, well, I don't know if he's really a real Chris Christian or not. And I thought, oh, my goodness, their focus is more on that than on anything else. So I just want to give that as a first-hand contribution. <laughs> yeah. Don't make a sinner's prayer, then you're not, yeah, that whole thing, it's just breaking yeah. out of that. And one of out of that study, one of the one of the um, well, thank you so much. Exactly, that is exactly the point, Teresa. And one of my friends, she has cancer, and she only has ten years. The the, the, the doctor's given her ten year sentence, you know, life sentence, and nine years. She's on her ninth year, and um, and we were talking, we were studying the book of Matthew, talking about seeds and and how um, you know how there you know there's two there's two sowers and there's two seeds and she said i know all about the seeds because my grandfather many 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 years ago when i was a little child planted a seed that seed grew and now she said and then she says it's grown and it's grown with the bible studies and she said now i know that i truly have appropriated myself of christ i'm ready to go whenever he calls me and it's, it's, yeah, breaking down those barriers of praying the sinner's prayer. Are you sure? Are you, oh, you're from that church or, you know, are you baptized this way and that way? I'm, I'm out of that. I'm, I'm totally out of that. No mm -hmm. more. If the person says I'm saved and they understand the true gospel, you know, I take it at, at their, at the value. That's, that's it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's, that's cool. All right, guys. Uh, we got to verse ten, which is excellent. We are in, we're in no rush. Okay, there's no no race. Um, we are trying to study uh, what is what what amazed and shocked Paul. Something amazed and shocked Paul in this book that he uh, used such strong language at the start. And we will wrestle with every word of, of uh, this epistle as we go. Thank you very much, brothers and sisters, for, for joining. Those that are joining in on the podcast, may you be safe. You know, keep keep eye on the on the road while you're listening to this driving your car. Um, and for those that are gathering in their homes, I know some of you are and listening to this in little groups and studying this like a little Bible study. We bless you guys and we hope that you'll continue to pray for us and continue to work uh, for the kingdom of heaven wherever you are. Blessings from Jerusalem. Thank you for listening. Our sermons and Bible studies are on all your favorite podcasting platforms. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Sermons can also be found on YouTube. Follow us on Facebook for alerts on live streams. If you are blessed by these teachings, please prayerfully consider giving toward the work of Christchurch. Visit ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Blessings from the City of the Great King.